You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. We are halfway to a Spain and Fitz double victory Monday. My team took care of business yesterday. Can Fitz's Raiders hold up their end of the bargain? It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. You can be a part of the show tonight by joining Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation's presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Victory Monday for me. The Bears had more than a yard of offense. They, in fact, looked like an actual football team. Now it was against the Lions, and we're never going to forget that, and frankly, neither will you, since you keep reminding me of that. But you can't take away my joy. It's still a win. Still a divisional win. We'll get into some of the back and forth and the weird Matt Nagy stuff that he felt like he needed to say after the game and today. But I'm going to celebrate the W. And Fitz is going to join me in about an hour. He's doing his digital Monday night stuff. And he is decked out in what can only be described as a smorgasbord of Raiders attire. Just full Raiders gear, head to toe, Down to his skivvies, I would imagine. I didn't ask, and I don't want to know, but I have to assume because every visible part of Jason Fitz is right now covered in Raiders logos. He's even got this giant faux gold Raiders chain around his neck. Uh, So I'm guessing when he floats into the booth on air as he anticipates a Monday Night Football matchup between his Raiders and Chargers, he will be excitable or uh, highly strung volatile, wired, not stable, all of the above. Will any of the words he utters be at a pitch that is actually audible to humans or only to dogs? We'll find out in about an hour. He's going to join us. He's me real pumped for Monday Night Football and the chance for his Raiders to keep their streak going. In the meantime, we will react to a really packed Sunday set of games that included, of course, the one that got almost no publicity. I don't know why no one was talking about this. I don't know if you guys heard this, but Tom Brady and the Buccaneers took on Brady's old coach, which is Bill Belichick and the Patriots. That's where Tom Brady used to play. I don't know if you guys know this. He was in New England for a while. I think they won some games there. And so uh, I was surprised no one covered it. But thankfully, we did scrounge up some statistics, some sound, some recaps of what ultimately was a Bucks win. But I'll tell you, the Pats hung in there. And it's exactly what we talked about last week on the show. This is a better Bucks team. But Belichick has been working with Brady for two decades. And he knew exactly how to scheme to make things difficult on Tom. It was his lowest completion percentage with the Bucks, 51%. He had 14 off-target throws. Now, I don't know if that's entirely scheme. We can't presume that there was no nerves in effect for Brady, right? So we can give Belichick the credit for that when it might have just been that Brady had as much uh, in the way of a little bit of excitement coming into that game, a a desire to prove himself and to really make them pay for saying goodbye to him. So that might have been the cause for some of those off-target throws. But Belichick called a great game, and it started out real ugly. It was not an enjoyable football game. Pouring rain, sloppy play, a bunch of ducks from Tom, but in the end, went down the stretch and was really a a good watch. Uh, It ended up on a late field goal attempt by Nick Folk, 50 yards out, 56, I should say, yards out, a doink, a single doink, not a double, but still not a noise anyone wants to hear. 
And that means Brady comes out victorious. It's Spain and Fitz, by the way. Sarah Spain, ESPN Radio. Uh, Dominique Foxworth today on the debut episode of Debatable. A lot of your favorite faces from Highly Questionable and some other ESPN shows uh, on this new streaming show. You can find it on YouTube, Facebook, ESPN Plus, all over the place. You might see me there, I don't know, tomorrow and Wednesday in case you feel like watching. Uh, go to at Debatable on Twitter for the info. Dominique Foxworth was on the debut episode today. And he said something that I think a lot of folks are are saying after this game. As great of a scheme as Bill had for most of the game, he couldn't finish it. There's a little contradictory because you're like, all right, Belichick's a great defensive mind. He did an awesome job um, putting together a defense that confused Tom Brady and slowed that offense a great deal. But then he gets to the end of the game. and Thank you. Those type of situations, we expect Belichick to make the right decision. And he made the wrong call. Like, he made the wrong call there. I think it was before halftime he made another poor decision that set up a field goal. But that last game-winning field goal, they decided to kick a 56-yard field goal with Nick Falk, who's not a deep ball kicker, in a monsoon when it's fourth and three. And it seems like your quarterback, uh, Mac Jones, has the game. At least he feels comfortable in that situation. I don't understand. It's still, I guess, it was a makeable kick. He hit the upright. But it seemed like at the moment, not just in hindsight, at the moment I'm watching this like, hmm. Maybe you want to go for it there. And I think the analytics kind of bear out that the right decision right there was to actually go for it. But he was wrong. He was. And that was Al Duncan you heard. Thank you. Thank you. He didn't make the right call at the end. And listen, the fact that the kick was as close as it was, needed another foot or two, doesn't change that. I mean, you could cherry pick some stats. Oh, but Folk had made 36 straight field goals. You know, you can't play scared there. Go for it. You can make that. But it was a monsoon, and he hasn't made a kick from that distance in 11 seasons. To me, that's Belichick getting scared. He knows what's on the other side, and he just he got scared in the moment. It, was a, it, was a, it ended up being a lot of what we anticipated, where Brady knew what he needed to do against a Belichick team. Belichick knew what he needed to do against his old quarterback. And in the end, the better team won, but not by a lot. A lot of people are taking away... A lot of positives for the Pats in this game. And I'm not going to begrudge what looked like a better game from Mac Jones and the ability for him to keep his team in this. But I am going to remind people that this is why it was close, because Belichick knew what Tom Brady's number was, right? We we don't anticipate, and I maybe you do, I don't necessarily anticipate that the progress that we saw from the Pats in this game translates against other top-notch NFL opponents because they don't have Tom Brady at the helm. And this is the one time, the one matchup maybe, where it's a negative to have Tom Brady as your QB because he's looking at a coach who knows him so well. I need to see more from Mac Jones and the Patriots against other elite NFL teams for me to give as much in the way of of compliments and progress. Uh, I think that was a lot about that matchup. Now, of course, that matchup is all we could talk about, which didn't have everybody quite so pleased. In fact, someone who you would imagine would be pretty fired up after another win, especially because they took an L last week, would be the head coach of the Bucks. But Bruce Arians had some words for, I think, me? I think the rest of the gas bags in the media? I think fans? I think pretty much anyone with an earshot was uh, the, 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 the target of this Bruce Arians rant. I was very, very frustrated with everybody saying this was a quarterback and a coach. This is a team sport. The Bucks won this game, all right, and we beat the Patriots. Right? We're losing sight that this is a team game, all right? Everybody wanted to make this all up about Brady and Belichick. I don't think Bill played a snap, all right? He had 22 guys out there playing <laughs> off, and I knew they would. 
and we had 22 guys out there playing our off. One of them just happened to be named Brady. Yeah, so uh, you happy about the win, Coach? Okay, moving on. Uh, Arian's maybe not the only one uh, a little bit displeased after the game. I would have to imagine that Belichick wasn't super pleased. Not not as much because of the loss. He probably expected that. But because there was a shot of the broadcast booth uh, with a you know some very thoughtful commentary on the game and the live shot of Belichick that they happened to have at that moment was him picking something out of his teeth with a pencil. It wasn't a great look. On the other hand, it wasn't as bad as Belichick's son, who looks like he cut his own hair with a pair of uh, children's scissors and was caught on the sideline. I don't even know how to describe it. If you haven't seen the gif of it making the rounds, congratulations. Honestly, I'm jealous of you because I don't know what was happening with Belichick's son. A lot of people said that's what tweaking looks like. A lot of people said he was, you know, preening for the cameras. I know if I knew the spotlight was on me, that's not the look I would have gone for. But if you haven't seen it, go ahead and seek it out. Ruin the rest of your day. Haunt your dreams for the next couple nights. And then ask yourself who had it worse. Because I'm going to ask you guys that on the Spain and Fitz Nation Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. At Sarah Spain. At Spain and Fitz. You could throw in Fitz if you want. He'll be here later. Jason Fitz. At Jason Fitz. Who had it worse? Was it Belichick or his son? And speaking of, we like to do a little something on Mondays called It Could Have Been Worse. Tell you all the people who definitely had a worse weekend than you. It's coming up. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz Podcast. Got a tiny case of the party voice. Had a little bit too much fun at the Bears game yesterday. They got a big W, divisional W. I don't care who the opponent was. They had more than a yard of offense. Good start. So I'm in a great mood. Fitz has got his Raiders on Monday Night Football t- uh, tonight. He's decked out in all Raiders gear, so he's having a good night. He'll be joining me in about 45 minutes. But some people may be not in such a good mood this week because they didn't have a great weekend. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. And the Straight Talk here is that no matter what happened to you this weekend, fine listener, it could have been worse. You thought you had a bad weekend. Phil, there is a tiger in the bathroom. You ain't seen nothing yet. I better get out of here while the getting's good. It could have been worse on Spain and Fitz. That's right. Nothing makes us all feel better about ourselves than comparing our woes to other people's, especially when they've got it worse than we do. And there are a handful of folks in the sports world just didn't have a great weekend. I think you all know where I'm going to start here. Urban Meyer. Mmm. This is my shocked face. Urban Meyer caught in a scandal where he's being a creep? You don't say. Now listen, nothing illegal, which I guess is an upgrade for him. And this time he admitted to remembering it happened, so that's a step forward from, you know, the past. But Urban Meyer is now on a winless team that he's already had to release a statement for, assuring the fans things will get better. And described as uh, heartless, or I guess I should say shocking and debilitating one of their recent losses. And add to all that, that he was caught on video at a college bar with a woman dancing on his lap, I guess is the best way to describe it. And his hands in mysterious places doing we don't know for sure. While his wife was posting tweets about babysitting the grandkids. And it resulted in a lengthy Winding apology, only a small percentage of which we have time to play for you now. 
I just apologize to the team and staff and uh, for being a distraction, just stupid. Uh, and so I explained everything that happened and owned it and, you know, just stupid. Uh, should not have myself in that kind of position. Irvin, did you, did you fly back with the team or did you stay in? Um, no, I stayed to see the grandkids and we all went to dinner that night at uh, the restaurant and then there's a big group next to our restaurant and they wanted me to come over and take pictures and I did. And they were trying to pull me out on the dance floor screwing around and I should have left. How did the team react? I mean, they're pretty, probably pretty uh, reactionary or, you know, how did they take it, your apology? Well, I've always been so defensive of them. You know, I remember when Trevor told me he was going to go to Vegas for his bachelor party. I mean, I was just, my gosh, man, be careful and surround yourself and because I've seen this happen. And uh, I spoke to a bunch of leaders one-on-one, -on -one, spoke to all the players. Uh, they're good. They were focused on Tennessee. And I apologized again for being a distraction. And uh, the coach should not be a distraction. Did you feel a need to apologize to your family? Yeah, yeah of course I did. Oh, yeah. And they were upset. Wow. What do you guys think is worse? Unnecessarily throwing his quarterback under the bus. No, 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 no. Don't look at me. My quarterback went to Vegas for his bachelor party. Or acting like this is something that happens to you. Uh, I told him to be careful. Things are crazy out there. You could just be trying to enjoy a cold adult beverage in a quiet bar when all of a sudden you find yourself with a woman half your age grinding on your lap. What are you to do? Look out, kid. The world is full of scary things. Get out of here. God, I just, how do you make it worse? And somehow you do. Oh, yeah, I told him, look out for this kind of stuff. Go home. Gross. By the way, his wife was, like, liking people, messaging her on Twitter that she deserves better. I don't know her, but duh. I don't know. I don't know who wouldn't deserve better. So, anyway, he had a bad weekend. Deeply embarrassing. I can't decide if that, since again, not illegal, despite being super gross, is worse than what happened to the Washington football team trainer who was uh, just hanging at the office today when federal law enforcement conducted a raid. Actually, it was last week, not today, but we're counting it. The head trainer, Ryan Vermillion, placed on administrative leave due to an ongoing criminal investigation unrelated to the team. I don't know why, but I just don't trust that anything involving anyone related to the team will manage to keep whatever illegalities unrelated to the team. Somehow I feel like it's all going to come out. He is the trainer and former Panthers trainer for the last 18 years, been in the business for a long time. Never great when the DEA just arrives at your office. Never a good sign. We don't have much information on that, but I'm going to say that qualifies for not a great weekend knowing that this was going to come out. So we'll throw him in the mix. We got Ben Simmons catching strays on a story that has absolutely nothing to do with him. This reminded me a lot of when Nelson Aguilar got involved in a house fire. He wasn't there. He wasn't involved, but he got thrown into the mix when a guy caught a baby out of a burning building. Not like that Aguilar. Well, Ben Simmons catching strays on a gator story. This is the guy who you probably saw the video of catching a gator in a garbage can video went viral. He ends up on the news and he says this. I just jumped into action and I said, you know what? I'm not going to be Ben Simmons. I'm going to go capture this basket. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. 
That's right. Somehow Ben Simmons. It was it was a Philadelphia area man. And uh, like Aguilar, Simmons is going to hear it every chance, even when it's a reach. It was a bit of a reach. I'm going to I'm going to go catch this basket. I don't know. Didn't quite work. I'll allow it. it I just jumped into action and I said, you know what? I'm not going to be Ben Simmons. I'm going to go capture this basket. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what capturing a basket is, but I'll give it to you. It was a cool video. You did catch a gator. Very, very unsafe. Like, deeply un- unwise, but you pulled it off. It's Spain and Fitz, Air Spain, ESPN Radio. Could have been worse, is what we're doing. Telling you all the people who have definitely had a worse weekend than you did. One of them is Bronxy the Turtle. Now, listen, I, I wouldn't necessarily assume that he, he, she, it, the turtle, had a bad weekend because the Yankees did clinch. And uh, Bronx got to be a part of the celebration. But I don't really know how turtles do when they're soaked in champagne and beer. Because that's what happened to this tiny little reptile who Nestor Cortez Jr. picked up at a pet store in late September and has thus inspired an 8-to-1 run. Here's what uh, Rugnet Odor had to say about Bronxy. Rugnet, how is Bronxy handling the celebration? Is he okay in there? <laughs> yeah, she's good. She's good. She's still, she's, still, she's still good in there, you know. She's been giving us a, a lot of energy, you know. We, we've been... Talking a lot about the the turtle and we were having fun. Does she like champagne? Uh not really. I mean, I'll put it back in the in his little case, you know, because I don't wanna, I don't want nothing to happen to her. <laughs> how is? Hmm. Yeah, you don't want anything to happen to her. That's why you put her back after uh, dousing her in champagne and beer. Uh, any thoughts on that, Boone? He's a cute little guy. I don't know. We'll see. He'll be with us here in spirit. And it's been something that guys have had a little bit of fun with. In spirit? Is Bronxy dead? Because I'm going to go with worst weekend if Bronxy didn't survive the celebration. I'm, I'm sending PETA out there. By the way, worth noting, Notre Dame paid Cincinnati $1.2 million to take that L. That's it there, too. More Spain and Fitz coming up next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Listen, there was a lot of excitement in baseball last couple days, but I, for one, am disappointed we didn't get the complete chaos of a many-team extra game playoff. That's what I wanted was the most chaotic result. We didn't get it, but there is still plenty of MLB madness to get into. It's Spain and Fitz, solo Spain for the first hour here. Fitz will be joining me in a half hour to get us ready for Monday Night Football, his Raiders in action tonight. We're here on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Don't forget, and because of this, this may be the only show we have this week. Still figuring out the schedule, but the MLB playoffs are here. Tune in for an AL wildcard Action as the Red Sox host the Yankees beginning tomorrow night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Yeah, that's uh, that's usually when you're listening to us. That's going to be a AL wildcard game tonight. To get us ready for that and all the rest of the baseball stories, joining me now, longtime MLB columnist, New York Times contributor, will be at the game Wednesday night NL wildcard, Scott Miller. Scott, thanks for the time. Hey, Sarah, nice to be with you, and, uh, yeah, happy postseason. It's, uh, it's always great when we have a full month of postseason games to look forward to. I need to ask the most important question first. Do you know how Bronxy the Turtle is doing? I'm a little worried. I'm excited that uh, the Yankees are progressive enough that Bronxy is apparently non-binary since no one seems to know whether it's a he or a she, and also no one seems to know whether he or, it or she uh, survived the champagne showers and the beer. Do we have an update on Bronxy? 
Uh, uh, they're keeping Bronxy under wraps on the off day today. Oh, I don't know if Bronxy was appearing at the workout in Fenway Park or anything, but uh, <laughs> they're what are they six and zero oh since adopting the the turtles? So yeah. uh, they got to keep going with that. I guess so. I just my prayers are with Bronxy. I'm a little concerned. <laughs> um, let's talk about <laughs> how. So. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how turtles uh, process alcohol. I don't know if it would be well. Um, Let's talk about the AL wildcard race. A lot of people, myself included, wanted the most chaotic result. What did you make of the actual result? Do you think the best teams are are in? Yeah, I do. I thought Toronto may come back and pick off Boston. I think if there were two or three games left in the season, um, Toronto would have gotten there. They made a nice run late. I think, to me, they're the most dangerous team that didn't quite get in. Um in fact, they could pose more problems, I think, for the Yankees in the wildcard game or for Tampa Bay than I think Boston will. Uh, you know, Boston's pitching uh, is, is, uh, it, it seems in many cases spent. But, you know, again, then we wrap it into just one game. Anything can happen. If uh, Nathan Evaldi has a, a strong effort tomorrow night, um, you know, then – Red Sox will move on, and and uh, the Yankees will have to go see what they're going to do with Bronxy the Turtle in the off season. <laughs> yeah, it uh, it worked out for the Yankees not to send Garrett Cole out for that last game of the season. Now they get to use him for this do or die wild card game tomorrow night, um, and this is the spot that he needs to show up in. Right? You mentioned uh, Eovaldi needing to hold his own, but I, I think this game hinges around whether Cole can make his money and, and do better against a Red Sox team that has actually hit the best against him this year. And his four starts against him, a 491 ERA, a 1.5 whip and an 852 OPS against in 22 innings. Uh, one of his worst outings of the year was against the Red Sox back in June. How do you see this matchup now that it's a postseason matchup? Yeah. It, you know, and it reminds me, Sarah, as well, uh, going back to the playoffs last year, game seven against Tampa Bay in, in the COVID year in which the, that, that game was in Petco Park. And uh, the Rays were able to figure out a way around Garrett Cole. And now that'll be the Red Sox charge tomorrow. I, you know, I wonder if that game is in the back of Garrett Cole's mind at all, just from the standpoint of the similarities, uh, the postseason lights, Oh, do or die, winner take all game, and with that contract, he needs to step up. Um, I think he's going to pitch well. I really do. He is able. He's so cerebral, Sarah, and he figures things out. And he'll. He's going to have a, a. You know, I'm sure right now he's breaking down every Red Sox hitter. I'm sure he's going back over the season starts and and what went wrong against the Red Sox. And you know, one example of the way he figures things out. When they when baseball cracked down on the sticky substances in June, uh, his first couple starts after that, I mean that affected him. He clearly was using something. Yeah. His spin rate was down. He was a little sluggish uh, the next few starts after that, but he rebounded. He was able to figure that out and come o- you know overcome that hurdle. And I think the same will uh, happen tomorrow night. Spain and Fitz here, Spain, Jason Fitz, Scott Miller, longtime MLB columnist, New York Times contributor with me here on the Goodyear Hotline ahead of the wild card games this week. On the other side, the NL wild card game, it is unreal to have 106 wins and be in a wild card game, but that's the reality for the Dodgers. The most wins of any wild card team in the 27 year history of wild card teams. 
That's, of course, because the Giants ended up clinching the NL West with 107 wins. So you send a team in the Dodgers to our Blue Bloods that have been a leader and a front runner from the start against a Cardinals team that needed some really serious second half of the season magic. And you would think, well, the Dodgers are poised, even if it's a one game, to be a better team. But Scherzer versus Wainwright is sure juicy, huh? Oh, it's so good. It, that's going to be such an intriguing matchup. And, you know, here's, here's the, the thing, Sarah. You know, the, the Cardinals, rightfully so, people are talking about how hot they are. You know, they finished the season winning 19 of 20. Um, you know, they go from basically three weeks to a month ago uh, having about a 2% chance to get into the playoffs to all of a sudden reeling off this winning streak, you know, going 100% chance in the playoffs. So they're hot. There's no doubt about it. But you know what? So are the Dodgers. The Dodgers finished the season winning 45 of their last 60 games. They went 45 and 15. These guys are hot as well. It's two hot teams. But, you know, the, that's why, you know, I love this matchup, two hot teams. I also love the way the Dodgers-Giants finished because, you know, there was nothing at all about backing in to a division title out in the National League West. I mean, the Dodgers, after eight consecutive division titles, okay, that streak got snapped. But to me, all credit to the Dodgers as well because when you win 106 games, when the other team wins 107, you got nothing to feel ashamed of. You just tip your cap. And the last two weeks – Every night, the Dodgers won, the Giants won, and it went on and on and on. And Spain and Fitz. The one thing I should, I should add go ahead. Good, though, yeah. about that wild card match, you know, every, people, the Dodgers ended the season in a tough way, losing Max Muncy to the arm injury, and we still haven't heard a full report on that, other than Dave Roberts said the other day that there, there's no way Muncy would be healthy enough in time for Wednesday's game. And then, of course, Clayton Kershaw a day or two before that came down injured and, and not that Kershaw was going to pitch the wild card, but he would have pitched the postseason. Looks like he's out of the postseason. So the Dodgers as great as they, as they played in one Oh six wins, um, you know, losing Muncie and Kershaw, it was kind of a bummer end of the season for them. Yeah, absolutely. Scott Miller's with me here talking baseball on Spain and Fitz quickly before I let you go. I want to ask you about two not so happy stories. So teams not moving on. And, uh, in fact, moving on from a manager is the Mets and Luis Rojas and then Jace Tingler's future uh, up in the air. What do you make of those two stories? Yeah, you know, I, as, as much went on in New York this year, uh, it, it, I think it was just a matter of time before Luis Rojas was let go. I mean, there was so much crazy stuff. I mean, not just Francisco Lindor underperforming on that giant contract, but, you know, when he and, and – and, and, uh, and, and Jeff O'Neill got into the 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 fight, and then they had that press conference where they said they were arguing over a rat. I mean, right. just crazy maybe a rat, I mean, perhaps like, another rodent. They hadn't really figured out the details before the story. <laughs> right, they had, and then then later in the year, the the Mets are giving thumbs down to the fans. It turns out Javi Baez leaks it that basically it was their own way of booing the fans. I mean, there was so much that went on that a strong manager should have mm. nipped in the bud. Now, granted, Luis Rojas had no, tr- no uh, control over losing uh, Jacob deGrom for the season. I mean, obviously, if Jacob deGrom had pitched from June on, it, it very well might have been a different outcome for the Mets and Luis Rojas. But that aside, some of this other extraneous amateur hour stuff, you know, a strong manager 
stops that and nips it in the bud. And that relates a little bit to the Padres situation you asked me about. Uh, you know, they cratered biggest disappointment in baseball. Probably, yeah. it, no question, I think the biggest disappointment in San Diego Padres team history this year. Mm, that's saying something. You know, they had, everybody knows that Machado and Tatis got into it in the dugout. They had some stuff going on as well where I think a strong manager maybe could have changed things. So they're letting Jace Tingler dangle in the wind another day or two, it appears. Um, it's hard to see him coming back. Yeah, it's going to be a long off season for a handful of these teams who had disappointing finishes to try to figure out how to get back in the in the mix here. Thanks for the insight, Scott. Enjoy the game tomorrow night and the rest of the week. Thanks, Sarah. Always fun talking baseball with you. Take care. Scott Miller with me here on Spain and Fitz. Just a reminder that AL wildcard game tomorrow night, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio, 8 Eastern on ESPN. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. Coming up, we'll get you set for an AFC West showdown. Not involving the Chiefs. It's tonight, Monday Night Football. Next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. The rest of Monday night is given over to those gargantuan goliaths of the gridiron. Setting the scene for another Monday night football showdown. That bouncing behemoth ballet known better as professional football. Here's the Monday night spotlight on Spain and Fitz. Uh, that's right. The Monday Night Football preview is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Joining me now, Chargers reporter for The Athletic, Daniel Popper, who is out at the stadium. He's been tweeting updates, players, coaches, hugging, chatting, getting ready for the game. Daniel, I have to ask, and I hate to start with this because I know Chargers fans are sick of hearing about fans, but what does the crowd look like? Have the Raiders fans traveled? Uh, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, you knew what you knew. You knew what this was going to be heading into the game. Obviously, the Raiders have a stronghold here in Los Angeles, but there is certainly some powder blue in the stands. We're kind of going to see it fill out here over the next half hour as we lead up to kickoff, but certainly expecting a pro Raiders crowd. But there will be Chargers fans in the stands. The question is how many they showed up for that Cowboys game. I was about a 60 40 split in favor of the Cowboys. So the Chargers certainly have fans that are traveling to these games. Um, this will be a test tonight to see sort of how strong uh, that fan base is in terms of their attendance at SoFi Stadium. Obviously, reason more than normal even for Raiders fans to travel. They're off to their first 3-0 and start since 2 which was the year they went to the Super Bowl. Two overtime wins, some of those some really strong teams, and that's what the Chargers go up against tonight. Herbert doing an incredible job thus far in the first couple games of the season, a lot of them requiring Winning drives. Uh, what is it about this Chargers team that has them in that position? I thought that would go away once Phillip Rivers left. Why are we always down a touchdown with seconds to go driving the length of the field? Well, that's kind of the NFL. I mean, you can look around at how many games come down to one score, and it's pretty regular occurrence. I mean, blowouts are pretty rare in the NFL. So that's sort of what it is. You're going to be you know, faced with one-score games at the end. And that's why the talent of your quarterback is so important and how well he plays in those situations. Justin Herbert has been excellent in those situations. Uh, we're starting to see him grow into a winner. It sort of started last year when he won four straight games to end that year, and it's carried over into this season with him making plays at the end of games. And obviously his talent jumps off the page and jumps off the screen when you watch. 
talking to Daniel Popper, a Chargers reporter for The Athletic. We've seen that he's got a real rapport with Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Are those the guys you're keeping an eye on to do the most damage against this Raiders squad? Absolutely. Both Keenan Allen and Mike Williams have over 30 targets this season. They are the focal point of this passing offense, and deservedly so. Uh, you know, Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen had a great rapport last year, and you expected that to continue into this year, which is what we're seeing. You know, Justin looks for Keenan on third down. That's where Keenan Allen has made his money in this league. But I think Mike Williams is a bit more of a surprise. He hasn't had this type of production at any point in his career. He has 22 catches already this season. His previous career high was 49. And that's just coming down to scheme and usage. Um, you know, Brandon Staley, the head coach, came in here, and offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi came in here, and they saw a super talented player in Mike Williams, and they decided to make him a focal point. They put him at the X receiver spot, which is the spot that Mike, Michael Thomas plays in the Saints offense. Joe Lombardi obviously brought that offense over from New Orleans, and they've added some more to his route tree. I mean, he was typically a go-route guy, a 50-50 ball guy down the field in Anthony Lynn's offense, um, and now they've added more slants to his game. They've incorporated him into the RPO game. Um, he's making more of an impact in the short and intermediate area of the field, and uh, I think you're seeing him sort of take that next step in his career. In a contract year, we should add, he's going to be a free agent after the season. It seems like early on here he's making himself a ton of money. Raiders defense has looked better than maybe many anticipated, but still at risk for a, a good slicing up of their secondary. If they can't get any pressure on uh, Herbert tonight, I could see it being a big night for those guys deep if they uh, if they don't manage to get through that offensive line at the Chargers. Speaking of defense, and we're talking to Daniel Popper, Chargers reporter for The Athletic. On the other side, what are the Chargers looking at in terms of this offense from the Raiders? Carr has looked fantastic, and it looked early on like he might depend on Waller over and over, but he's really spread the ball around. There are a lot of folks that you have to keep an eye on on that Raiders offense. Yeah, I, I think this matchup sort of starts with the Raiders passing offense, particularly their explosive passing offense against the Chargers secondary and passing defense. The Raiders had 30 explosive passes, 16 or more yards uh, through the first three weeks as the most in the NFL. The Chargers, meanwhile, have only allowed five explosive passes on the season. And one of those was actually a weird end of half play against the Cowboys. So it's really been four or more in the structure of the game. Um, which side comes out on top in that area? I think that's going to have a huge impact on the game. Staley's defense is predicated on preventing explosive passes. So can he do that again? And he's done it successfully against two really good passing offense in the Cowboys and the Chiefs. Can he continue it into this game? And the other thing I'll add here is that the, the Chargers run defense has been an issue so far this season. Now they've been able to overcome that um, because they've prevented explosive passes, but we all know John Gruden will happily run the ball down your throat if that's what you're giving him. So I think that that's a sort of an underrated part of this game. Can the Chargers run defense step up? They lost Justin Jones. He was put on IR today. He's one of their better run defenders. And their other defensive linemen have not been able to step up and defend the run at a high level or even a mediocre level so far. So I think that's another matchup, another part of this game that we should keep a close eye on. Uh, before we let you go, Daniel Popper of the, of the Athletic with us here on Spain and Fitz, finish this sentence, and you are not allowed to answer, they scored more points than the other team. Okay. The Chargers won tonight's Monday Night Football game because? They were efficient in the red zone. That is it, what it comes down to in the NFL. If you can effectively score the ball in the red zone and put the ball into the end zone, you're going to win a lot of games. Now, the Chargers struggled in that area in the first two weeks of the season, but they seemed to remedy it against the Chiefs. They went four for five on their red zone possessions. The Raiders have yet to hold a team to a field goal on a red zone drive this season, albeit in four drives, so not a huge sample size. But if the Chargers can punch in touchdowns, finish off these, these red zone drives with touchdowns, they're going to be in position to put up a lot of points and continue 
this high level of offense that we saw last week against the Chiefs. And certainly if they do it early, it gives them a chance to take some of those Raiders fans a little bit out of it, which they're going to want to do when it feels like they might be trying to fill up that that uh, supposed home stadium. Hey, thanks for the insight, Daniel. Enjoy the game. Anytime, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Daniel Popper, Chargers reporter with The Athletic here on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz is going to give us the other half of the story of this Monday night matchup. By the way, Daniel brought to you by Progressive Insurance. You could say big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. There are a lot of sort of mirror images, it feels like, in this game because I think that the Raiders obviously need to figure out how to get enough pressure on Herbert that he doesn't crush the secondary, which has done well and has outperformed my expectations. But the way we've seen Herbert play, uh, I think he could do some damage deep tonight if they can't get enough pressure on him. But same goes for what they need to do with Carr, who's also been fantastic and found a lot of different weapons. So uh, mirror images on that one. We'll get Fitz to fill us in on the rest of his expectations coming up next on Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. All right, things have escalated. Uh, Jason Fitz was already wearing head-to-toe Raiders gear. Sweatshirt, sweatpants, leggings underneath the sweatpants, T-shirt underneath the sweatshirt, giant fake chain around his neck. But by the end of his digital show with Shea Pepler, pre- previewing tonight's Monday Night Football game, he painted his face poorly, might I add. He looks like he's going to get an eye infection. He did not leave enough room around his eyes, minus the paint. And also, he's about to walk into the radio studio, put on some headphones, presumably and hopefully his own. Otherwise, Mike Gold Jr. is going to walk in there tomorrow unsuspecting anything and uh, not suspecting anything, unsuspectingly. Either way, he's going to walk in there, not going to know what happened, put the headphones on. He's going to have a pair of paint sideburns. I don't know why Fitz needs to take things so far. I mean, I appreciate it on one hand. On the other hand, I'm a little worried about the energy that's going to be walking into this room momentarily. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain celebrating a big Bears win. Fitz hoping for a Raiders win tonight. We're ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. By the way, uh, Fitz made game picks on that digital show, and he picked the Raiders. You do recall, of course, that we made our own picks on Friday, and he picked the Chargers. So I'm going to have to follow up on that. No integrity from Fitz. He got caught up in the moment. The face paint melted into his brain. He forgot what his pick was. We'll address that. It's Spain and Fitz brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. Before Fitz gets here, I do want to point out, I'm a little bummed. Uh, the Bears win yesterday, of course, solid. Anything would have been an upgrade from last week, even a loss that looked promising. But they actually got a W over the Lions, who had been competitive. I know the Lions are a laughingstock always and forever. But they were competitive against some good teams, and the Bears pretty much handled them. They made it too interesting at the end, but the Bears... Start to finish, looked in control of that game. Unfortunately, David Montgomery suffered a knee injury. There was a fear at one point it was an ACL tear. NFL Network reported that it was just a hyperextension with no serious structural damage, but we don't know how long he's going to be out. Damian Williams, you of course remember from the Chiefs, had a great Super Bowl. He's got a quad injury. So we might be relying on a rookie and running back Khalil Herbert to carry the load against Fitz's Raiders next week. In Vegas, and that was a huge part of what the Bears were able to do. Season high of 39 carries and 188 yards against the Lions yesterday. That was a big part of why they were able to do what they do. The biggest part was that Matt Nagy gave over play calling. But we're going to get to that in a little bit. But yeah, that was uh, that was a big part of it. Matt Nagy let someone else do the work and then afterwards still tried to claim the credit for it. 
we'll get into that with a little good take, hot take. But hey, yeah, Sarah. I'm a little worried about Montgomery. Yeah, is uh, breaking is, news. Yeah, Fitz is here. Yeah, well, we, we think it's Fitz. No, no. <laughs> Hey, you know what? I've never painted my face, uh, you know, and I feel pretty I good tell. about it. I feel pretty good about it. Like, I didn't have a mirror, and I got the line really well done. I mm-hmm. I, I got the white side really caked on first, and then I mm-hmm. went with the black side on the other side. Good. I'm and, glad you started yeah. with the white, because I yeah. just, I wouldn't have wanted anyone to walk into the bathroom when you were halfway through. Oh, your- bathroom? No, I, we did it live on air. I mean, I was sitting okay, on a couch. Enough. Just Also, glad you, uh, even worse, glad yeah. you were not on camera painting your face black. Yeah, that's probably fair, uh, too. Yep, so yep, 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 yep. Probably the right order to go in. I, I feel right, strong I, about I've never been stared uh, at uh, on campus as much as today. <laughs> I can't imagine why. <laughs> Uh, so first of all, is it in your eyes? It looks like it's in your eyes. Uh, yeah, it's definitely in my, I like, so I closed my eyelid and just went over and, and oh, just no. for anyone mm-hmm. that, that, you know, not that anybody really cares, but like, even when I do TV here, I don't put makeup on. Like I just, I've never liked makeup. I don't wear it. Like when I host college football live, if I'm shiny, I'm shiny. That's the way I look at it. So I'm not like a big makeup guy anyway. Right. There are right. some people here that I think could probably have handled it differently. I just basically went with the roller approach, and I feel pretty strong about it. I'm not going to lie. I now mean, you have to have your eyes done, don't you? Cause then I mean, I guess, but I guess my biggest concern is being that you're someone who does not uh, use makeup or know how to use it. Did you use face paint? Uh, Are you sure that you used face paint? Yeah, well, I went to the Halloween so I went to the Halloween okay. store and All I right. got white and black face uh, or Halloween okay, makeup. Good. So yeah. Just making sure good. that you didn't just use regular old house paint on your face cuz no, I wouldn't uh, be surprised. You're pretty uh, excited. Tell us about your mental state. Up uh, really quick, want to point out that you just picked the Raiders on your digital show? Yeah, that was a uh, lie. Do you remember that was what happened it was all uh, a lie. on Friday? Who did you pick then? Well, the funny thing is, uh, you know, we're just peeling back the fourth wall here. They didn't even ask me in the meeting today wow. who I was going to pick. Oh, they just met <laughs> they, they presumed. So That is not cool. Uh, so when we got to the picks, they were like, I think we're all going the same way here. And I was like, well, they wow. already built the graphic that says I'm picking the Raiders. So Yeah. Look at you, though. Look at this plausible di- deniability. You now have audio of one pick. You have video of another. No matter what happens, you've got some evidence. to. So you've got the receipts. Oh, yeah. Well, and Chris Canty earlier appro- uh, uh, accused me of hedging my bet emotionally so that I feel good either way. I feel good that I got the pick, or I feel good that we won the game. And let me just say, I don't care about a pick if we can win a football game. So, you know, there, there's, but, but I feel good. I feel Josh Jacobs being active. Yeah. I feel much better than I did an hour ago. There was a, there was, there was full on, uh, full on joy when I found that news out. He is Jason Fitz. It is Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. He is here for the last hour, uh, kind of. Once the game starts, he's going to be here only physically and not not in mind, as he will be entirely focused on his Raiders in this Monday Night Football. Just had a guest on to talk the Chargers side of things. And Fitz, I think two of the biggest things for the Raiders in this game are going to be getting pressure on Herbert so that he doesn't just dive uh, dice up their secondary and figuring out how to stop the run. Um, it, you know... This this team uh, has been better defensively than I've expected, uh, but they need to also be able to make this a one-dimensional offense for the Chargers so that they can make things tougher on Herbert. What say you? Yeah, no, I think that's going to be the most difficult portion of it. Now, the Raiders have been able to generate rush without sending a blitz. They blitz less than any team in the NFL. I'll be interested to see if that's still the case today because the Chargers' offensive line is is newly rebuilt and has come together so stinking well, so stinking fast I not for like, the run, though, because they're, no, no, they're no, dead just, last 
in in rush yards per game. Yeah. So so that at least bodes well for the the Raiders. Right. But but their ability to protect Herbert in the passing. Yeah. But yeah. I would also argue that they haven't necessarily faced great pass rushes yet. So, you know, can Max Crosby get it done against this this offensive line? I mean, I genuinely think that, all fandom aside, these are two very evenly matched teams that are very similar in a lot of ways. So whichever team can actually start to run the football with some level of effectiveness would be a, a delight and a change because even the Raiders with their, their running game, it's been mostly trash yardage at the end of the game. Like, they're not running the football well at all, and their offensive line hasn't played well. What do you think is going to be the biggest deciding factor? Like when you are watching the game and it gets going, is there something specific you're looking for that you're like, man, this this isn't going to go well for us because X? Or or we look great and I feel confident because Y? Yeah, if, if the Raiders run the football, if Josh Jacobs is playing effectively, if the Raiders are able to run the football, then they will win this football game in my mind. Like that's the most important thing. Like the secondary, to your point, for the Raiders is – uh, it's better than I thought it would be, but it hasn't faced any test like this. I think both teams are going to get a lot of yards. So if the Raiders can run the football, they're in essence controlling the clock. And of course, in that process, they're keeping the ball out of Herbert's hands. I think that Derek, uh, John Gruden, I should say, is going to be way more committed to the run this week than we've seen necessarily week in and week out. I think he's going to try and establish that early. Well, because the Chargers themselves have not been able to put up a strong run attack, they also haven't fared well against opposing teams' runners. They've allowed four runners to get 70-plus yards so far this season. So could be a big day, but again, Josh Jacobs with that ankle, we'll see just how just how strong he is uh, in this matchup. You got a score prediction, Fitz. And again, are we going Chargers now or are we sticking with Raiders? Which, which prediction yeah, are I, you sticking I, with I, right now in this moment? Uh, I think the Chargers win 35-31. Okay. Coming up, we'll get into some more NFL. Some Sunday surprises from the past weekend. It's next, Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Yeah, so uh, SoFi is a dome, kind of. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a dome with holes in the sides, which is how there's a weather delay in Los Angeles. In a domed stadium. We'll keep you updated. Or Fitz, God this... wanted me to get home in time to <laughs> yeah, watch the game. Yeah, there you go. Which I'm, which, thank you, God. Like, I'm all in for that. Like, I, Does this I, mean you get to sit down right now because the game hasn't started? Yeah, I have, I have sat. I did not sit for the first segment because I wasn't sure where we were on kickoff and I didn't want to take any chances. All but right. for now, I'm resting the legs and a little bit of a difficult angle in the studio, too, because the mic mm-hmm. doesn't really reach all the way up. So it's sort of a squatty sit. Shouldn't have done legs today. Careful but, uh, on the squatty sit. Shouldn't. There squatty, was, yeah, yeah, very yeah. close to things I'm happening a there. Um, yeah, <laughs> the guy yeah. With the painted face. I was going to say that's the, my <laughs> professional co-host who has a painted face, a giant chain around his neck, 11 different pieces of Raiders apparel and refuses to sit down during games because he's suspicious. I don't know bits. what to do when I'm driving. Like if I'm driving home during the game, do I wait until TV timeouts and like pull over every time oh or my God. do I wait till halftime? I don't know what to do, Sarah. I know what you need to do. Drive the car straight to a therapist instead of home and so figure much. out what the hell is wrong with you. It's Bain and Pitts. Here's Bain Jason Pitts.
ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. He should just charge you more out of principle. That's just probably because fair. it's a challenging job. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guest Jonas on the Goodyear Hotline. We are brought to you by Goodyear, making the plays that move you forward. Goodyear, more driven. We'll keep you updated on the weather delay, lightning delay in L.A. and Fitz's Raiders. But in the meantime, let's talk a little bit about some Sunday surprises, one of which resulted in me not having a perfect record in my picks. Oh, That's not allowed. Oh. That's, I'm only allowed to go 5-0. and oh. You still beat me. Still 4-1. and one. <laughs> But uh, that was the Titans losing. The Titans, a team that absolutely has not been as strong as I anticipated. A lot more question marks around this team. And there were some serious injuries to important players. But the Titans not only lost to the Jets. The Jets, who, as we've always said, are our go-to for, well, whoever's playing the Jets is going to win. So go ahead and bet on that. Final in OT, and Dan Orlovsky was on Greeny today talking about how he was pretty fired up about what he saw from Zach Wilson and company. Everyone needs to understand, too, the NFL is so, so hard. Two of the hardest things to do are call plays, design game plans and call plays, and play quarterback. They got guys doing it for the first time. Mike LaFleur, Matt LaFleur's brother, is doing it for the first time. It's going to take some time. And he's got the pedigree, or at least the bloodline, to be really good at it. And then Zach is doing it for the first time without a lot of guidance within, you know, inside that organization or within right. that room. So it's only going to get better. Those guys really got to learn how to do their jobs on the fly, pressure to win, but also do it together. Definitely encouraged by Zach yesterday. Did you see that? Or was this more about the Titans losing to you? This was about the Titans losing. And I think, yes, it's a fair, uh, without making an excuse, it's a fair explanation to say, hey, they were minus several important players on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, and they were basically a shell of the Titans. They still got out-thumped. I mean, there's just a moment where you you look at Vrabel, and I have high expectations for the Titans, high expectations for Mike Vrabel as a head coach, and high expectations for what he should be instilling in the culture within the, the organization. I didn't feel like any of that was met yesterday, and I was sitting there watching it saying, how do the Titans look lost? How do they look inept? And when you still have Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, I mean, you, you should be able to beat this Jets team even if you don't have all of your weapons. I, I thought it was a gross effort by Tennessee. Yeah, Zach Wilson did look better. He was intercepted. It was his eighth interception this season, but this was a questionable one. Corey Davis slipped, so you kind of you don't count that as as much as maybe the early season ones that looked like a guy who just didn't know what he was looking at, didn't know the defense he was facing. Uh, so Wilson looked better. He looked athletic. A couple really big throws, big plays. But you're right. I just I I didn't see a Titans team that I recognized, and a lot of that is is injuries. But this Titan, I mean. This was supposed to be, with all of the weapons and more time together, a contending team. And fits even when they get healthy, they are not scary to me. Yeah, that's the biggest surprise. I mean, I, I talk a lot to the Nashville ESPN affiliate, 102.5 The Game, and every time we talked going into the season, I kept telling them, look, I think the Titans have the chance to be you know, one of the upper elite teams in the yeah. AFC, and they don't look anywhere close to that. Like they, they, It's a bad division in the AFC South, and the, the, the Colts also a, a, just an abysmal mm. disappointment. But uh, So the Titans are probably going to win that division. They don't look good. And so you know, I, I, I'm really disappointed with where they are and the gap that seems to exist now between them and teams like the Ravens and the Browns and, you know, frankly, all of the AFC West and the Bills. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, talking about some Sunday surprises in the NFL. The other New York team also surprisingly getting a win and a nice performance from Saquon Barkley, who talked about how he's feeling a lot better. 
Personally, it definitely uh, helps with your confidence to, to be able to make some plays out there, especially in the game. You know, got got to be a little stronger on the one run, fumble the ball. Um, that's not something that I, I usually do. Uh, but it feels good. feels good to get the win. Definitely builds builds my confidence up. And like I keep saying, every every single week, I can feel my knee getting better and better, um, getting used to it. So just got to keep trusting the process and, and keep going. Six-yard touchdown in overtime for Saquon. Daniel Jones, 402 yards passing in the overtime win over the Saints away erasing an 11-point deficit in the fourth quarter, finally got a W. And the Saints, Fitz, who I was not super enthusiastic about, looking uglier and uglier, right? They started off the year with that win over the Packers. Everyone got real chesty about the combination of Peyton and Jameis. It turned out that was just a big dump on the field from the Packers, and the Saints aren't very good, as I predicted. Uh, well, you're right, and the, the Saints are Jameis Winston, maddeningly inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they thump the Packers, then they get thumped by the Panthers, then they beat the Patriots, everybody's back on board, now they lose to the Giants, everybody's back. Like, this is going to be the Saints this year. Like, it, it's going to be staggeringly up and down, which is going to be frustrating, but more important for the Giants You got the win, and you mentioned Daniel Jones' numbers. I mean, if you're a Giants fan, you're looking at it and saying, hey, we are seeing that leap from Daniel Jones. I feel really good about that. You could say Andrew Thomas seems to be playing really well on the offensive line. You could say, I feel good about that. Saquon's getting healthy. You can say, okay, maybe this team's not going to be great this year. Maybe they're not a world beater, but at least we're getting answers to really important questions like, you know, what do we have at the quarterback position? I think if you're a Giants fan, you walk away from yesterday saying Daniel Jones is capable, and that that's a big sign. Yeah, I think, you know, to your point, there's stuff for Daniel Jones and the and the Giants to feel good about, the fans to feel good about. The Saints, though, it's not just about Jameis's inconsistency. Decent numbers, right? Decent numbers for him, decent from Taysom Hill other than, you know, interception issues. But that defense, you got two quarterbacks. You know, Jameis has 226 yards and a touchdown. Taysom Hill ran for two touchdowns. You're putting up enough offense that you should be winning games. And the defense gave that one away. The final surprise of the weekend for me, there were a couple others, but the other one that really stood out was the Rams losing to the Cardinals. And and this, to me, was what I needed to see from Arizona. Could you be a complete team and not just a devastating offense? And after the game, Sean McVay talked about Stafford's performance in the loss, tried to stay positive for the Rams. I thought he was gutsy. You know, there was a couple things that uh, he didn't play up to his level early on. But, you know, you talk about being able to will us down the field when we ended up coming short uh, on that, uh, you know, fourth down and one where we just missed Higgs. But some of the individual plays that he made, the look in his eye, uh, you know, I'll ride with that guy any day. And, uh, and I feel that way about our football team. Uh, and I think these are the moments where you can really see a lot of, about how people are wired the right way. And this guy's everything that you could ask for in a quarterback. And I can't wait to go back to compete with him on Thursday. Yeah, I'm glad he's got a guy in his corner. He's on a better team, but this was pretty ugly. They had beaten the Cardinals in their previous eight meetings ever since McVay took over, and I think it was five in a row with Stafford and the Lions beating the Cardinals. This was something that maybe people thought a trap game after that win over the Bucks and kind of ended up looking like that. Yeah, well, and, and now we've seen twice this year where the Arizona Cardinals defense has come out and played lights out. I got to give a lot of respect. They did the same thing to the Titans. We talked about maybe the Titans aren't any good. We know the Rams are. So the Cardinals have shown that they can not only win with their offense, which we all knew was going to be spectacular, but they're able to really key in on teams defensively. If they're able to do that consistently, they are absolutely in the conversation being the best team in the NFC. I mean, to me right now, the Cardinals, the Rams, and the, the Cowboys are, are the three best, and the Cardinals just did that to the Rams. 
Yeah, I think the Rams are actually potentially still a better team. This yeah. is about scheme. I think McVay's going to look at the film and try to figure out what the hell happened with their defensive plan. And they've still got a shot to be better. But that was a big win for the Cardinals. Monday Night Football kickoff, 8.55 Eastern now. Woo! Coming up, we'll do a little good take, hot take. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Football gods shining down on Fitz as the kickoff for Monday Night Football backed up due to lightning. That means he could make it out of here at the end of the show and get home in time to be standing when kickoff happens. Because we know the Raiders will lose if he sits down. It's just science. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline couple polls up at Sarah Spain, at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz. Go check them out. You could vote on who had the worst weekend and which Belichick, either Papa Belichick or the spawn of Belichick, had a worst caught on camera moment. We'll get to those <laughs> in a little bit. But as we tend to do on Mondays, we like to sift through the takes and decide whether they were good or they were hot. Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes. Hot takes. Give the damn ball and let him decide. That's not the Greenway way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz. First, we're going to get to a football beef that has a decidedly unwritten rules of baseball vibe to it. So, you know, I'm fired up. <laughs> My least favorite rules that don't exist and aren't written down in all of sports, worse than any rules I know of. But John Harbaugh and the Ravens were one 100-yard rushing game away from tying the record for consecutive 100-yard rushing games, 43 set by the Steelers in 1977. So with the Ravens ahead, the game decided, instead of victory formation, Harbaugh ran a quarterback keeper to get them over the 100-yard mark. Video came out this morning, Vic Fangio... PO'd on the sideline, spiking his headset, trying to get his defenders to push back in the box to defend the play, and then saying this after the game. Yeah, I thought it was kind of but I expected it from them. 37 years in pro ball, I've never seen anything like that. So, But it was to be expected, and we expected it. Why did you expect it from them? Because I just know how they operate. That's just their you know, mode of operation there. Player safety is secondary. It's actually modus operandi is what you were looking for, not modus operation or mode of operation. Either way, uh, kind of a shot at Harbaugh, who had this to say. I mean, I thought we were on good terms. We had a nice chat before the game. Uh, known each other for a long time, but I promise you, I'm not going to give that insult one second thought. That's, uh, what's, meaningful, what's meaningful to us might not be meaningful to them. Their concerns are definitely not our concerns. We didn't expect to get the ball back. You know, but I'd already decided, we decided that if we got the ball back, we were going to try to get the yards. And we got it back with three seconds left. So you're throwing the ball in the end zone, with 10 seconds left. I don't know that there's a 16-point touchdown that's going to be possible right there. So, you know, that didn't have anything to do with winning the game. Oh, it's fiery. It's fiery. But does that mean it's a hot take or who's hot, who's good fits? Yeah, no, I think Harbaugh with a good take there, uh, frankly. And I hadn't thought about it until he broke it down that way. But he's right. If they're going for points at the end, why can't he go for a couple of yards? So uh, it, it seems hot for me to say that they don't care about player safety because they chose to run a play. Like that yeah, just feels like a large leap for me. So that's hot. I'm going hot take Fangio. Good take Harbaugh. Also, the best take was Connor Orr of SI. <laughs> 
who said this. It was an incredible display from start to finish, with Harbaugh clearly itching to have his name attached to one of the true football guy records of our time. When it comes to perceived tough guy records, the most consecutive 100-yard games rushing is among the elite, a record that, if it could, would wear its salute-to-service hat all year long, Mm. openly pining for the days when we used to recover from water-free two-a-days in the searing heat with a lukewarm cola under an oak tree. Uh, that about nails it. That is what he was going for. I'm still on Harbaugh's side. You're a couple yards away. You don't want it to happen to you. Stop it then. All right, let's move on. Zeke, talking about having a couple good outings. Cowboys looking good. But uh, Fitz, I ask you, does he take this too far? Um, I think we're playing good football right now. I think we're winning football games, but I want to see us go out there and finish. I want to see us go out there and really blow somebody out. Um, I think in the past couple of weeks, we, we were in a situation where, you know, it could have either, you know, we could kind of let off the gas pedal and still be win comfortably, or we can just go ahead and choke them out. So, I mean, I want to see us go out there and choke guys out. Okay. Wow. Okay. I think I'm going to take that as a hot take. I mean, I feel like they did. I mean, they they beat the Panthers pretty handily. The score doesn't really represent it. And then, I mean, they just beat the Eagles by 20. Like, if that's not choking them out, what is? Like, I feel like this is Zeke coming in and being, you know, you talked about tough football guy. That's Zeke yeah. giving us every cliche of, like, toughness on that. And I, I'm not buying it. I'm going hot take. Yeah, it's uh, absolutely 100% football guy. Uh, and I just, I, I, I'm kind of over the either – war analogies where someone needs to die. I'm willing to die on the field today. I'm willing to die today. We're choking people out. I think the sport has uh, got enough problems. I don't think we need to add an MMA level of violence that uh, that that is maybe one of the only things you're not legally allowed to do on the field. That I, and I, celebrate. I have to say, it, that only makes me think I had a drummer buddy that for years always would say, like, if the if the bus driver was driving too crazy, he would, like, just come up to the bus in the front and like, middle of the night and just start screaming, I will not die for the country music. <laughs> That's amazing. It's Spain and Fitz, Airspain, Jason Fitz, doing a little good take, hot take after a Sunday slate of NFL games. Here's Ryan Clark going off on my guy, who's not my guy, Matt Nagy, who just refused to say that Bill Lazor called the plays on Sunday. Hey, guys, I didn't call none of these plays, <laughs> even though I did it last week. But guess what? All this comes back to me. I did all the right stuff as the head coach. I sucked last week. And I almost got this young man killed. Y'all wanted to fire him. He shouldn't have been drafted at 11. This week, I ain't called no plays, but everything came back to me. I'm okay. Everything that Bill later said, me, 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 me. Man, shut the hell up. Shut up. Say, you know what? I was bad at calling plays last week. This is the third time I've fired myself. The biggest mistake I've ever made as head coach is to continue rehiring myself as the play caller. So guess what? I passed it along to Bill Lazor, and he did an amazing job because his job is to call the plays, get Justin Fields in the best position to succeed, and guess what? Bill did that. Not me. Bill did it. But guys, look at me. I'm Matt Nagy. As Greeny always says, I'm bald-headed and I wear a visor. Like, like, stuff like this upsets me because he had an opportunity to heap praise on his offensive coordinator and his quarterback, but he had to point out, guys, guess what? I did this, so don't fire me and hire Bill Lazor because I made the choice. Mm. Wow. I'm going to go ahead and jump in with a good take. He good. Jeez, Matt Nagy, you get a win. The offense looks respectable. It wasn't you. That's okay. Don't bring even more attention to that by trying to make a word salad about how it matters. It's real that everyone had to go through me and that I felt good about it. 
Listen to that next segment, Fitz, because you got to hear it if you haven't heard it. I mean, he sounds like Stuart Handy. But anyway, uh, that's a good take for me. Yeah, it's a good take. And, you know, this just doubles down on some of the obnoxiousness right now of Matt Nagy. And, you know, I, I, I just I don't understand the logic process, because even today coming in and saying that there's no decision if Andy Dalton's healthy, he's going to start. It just feels like at some point Nagy has, has drawn a line in the sand and now he's so pot committed to making sure that things are done his way, that whatever his way is, is more important than whatever's working for the team. I just don't, I don't really understand why the pride, why the ego and why the need to put everything in his shoes when in fact right now would be a great time for him to delegate and just like read the room a little bit. Yeah. 100%. By the way, I definitely conflated Jack Handy and Stuart Smalley. Uh, they are different characters from Saturday Night Live. Stuart Smalley looked in the mirror and gave himself affirmations. Jack Handy did deep thoughts like, if I ever get real rich, I hope I'm not real mean to poor people like I am now. Uh, anyway, moving on. It's good take, hot take. <laughs> Jack Ryan, Handy, by the way, a delight. One of my a, favorites. A, a delight. If trees could scream, would we be so cavalier about cutting them down? We might if they screamed all the time for no good reason. Anyway, uh, let's listen to some more Ryan Clark. Here he is on the Chiefs. I was probably washed in my last year anyway. But for what I'm seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs, they have to give me a tryout. I figure you put me back there with Tyron Matthew, I can't do any worse than they're doing already. If you go back to halftime yesterday, 18 for 24, almost 250 yards, 25 yards rushing, and that was Jalen Hurts. The Jalen Hurts who couldn't move the football against the San Francisco 49ers two weeks ago. The Jalen Hurts who couldn't move the football against the Dallas Cowboys. The Kansas City Chiefs are Swiss cheese. Nobody even likes Swiss cheese. You don't put Swiss cheese on anything. And that's what the Kansas City Chiefs are. You have Patrick Mahomes? Hell, let him play defense. Put Travis Kelsey at defensive end. Tyreek Hill at cornerback. Can't be no worse. Turn it into a freaking flag football team because that's what you're playing on defense anyway. Wow, quickly, 100% great take on Swiss cheese. I love cheese. Swiss is the worst. I won't even eat it. Everything else may be a little hot. I don't know if we're quite going to do that. Put some offensive players on D, but their defense is absolutely uh, deserving of getting yelled at. I know. They were all great takes, except for the one where, where RC ends up playing for Kansas City. Like, RC, <laughs> I, I really like you, buddy. Like, if you're going to go back and play, make it be for the Raiders so I can get free stuff out of it. Come on now. Oh, we got a couple more good take hot takes. We'll carry them over to the next segment. We also got some polls to pay off. We asked you about some people's bad weekends. It's coming up next. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Picture in my mind a world without war, a world without hate, and I could picture us attacking that world because they'd never expect it. It's just endless Jack Handy <laughs> quotes that are appropriate for any time. Before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away from them and you have their shoes. That is- Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. I stumbled upon Jack Handy when I was thinking of Stuart Smalley, and here we are. It's ESPN Radio. Who wrote all the Jack Handy stuff? Do you know? I believe they were all... um, Were they collaboratively written? No, I think they were either uh, the same uh, Al Franken, um, but I'm not positive. It might have actually... No, Jack Handy's a real dude, and he wrote them. Wow. Yeah, Wow. real real person. Oh, my God. My my world is rocked right now. I know, me too. I did not know that. His first comic writing was for Steve Martin... And then he got a job writing for SNL um, after Steve Martin introduced him to Lorne. And he worked on projects and stuff and then started doing his own 
Jack Handy Deep Thoughts. He even created Unfrozen Caveman Lawyer. Oh. What? One of my favorites. I mean, look at this. Uh, we'll be taking the rest of the show I'm just an Unfrozen off. Caveman Lawyer. Oh, wow. Jack Handy. He's great. American anyway, treasure. It's Spain and Fitz. The uh, Monday Night Football game is uh, under a lightning delay, but they'll be getting underway soon. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. There were so many hot takes and good takes that we had to keep it going into this segment. And uh, we were just listening to some... Uh, Ryan Clark criticizing Matt Nagy. So I thought in case Fitz hadn't heard it, let's listen to what made him so angry that he needed to give that rant. In regards to the play calling, uh, Bill did a great job, you know, and and I think that, uh, you know, at the same point in time, it's important that we understand that uh, I had to, I, I felt good out there as a head coach and that's real. We all get together. We talk through how we're going to call the game. I get a, a great opportunity to say, yes, I like this, or no, I don't, as the head coach, right, in charge of all that. that. That's real. Whatever I need to do to try to be the best head coach for the Chicago Bears, whatever that is, I, I don't care. I just want us to have the best opportunity to win. In charge of all that. That's real. That's real. <laughs> that also sounded like the worst job interview answer I've ever heard. Like, you know, I'm going to do whatever it takes in this position to make sure everybody around me funnels through me and we're just going to be the best darn staff that we can be. It sounded yeah, terrible. Yeah, it sounded like a terrible interview and it sounded like Stuart Smalley. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And doggone it, people like me. He literally said, as the head coach, you know, I get to say if I like it, that's real. Like it sounded like he was needing to explain to people, I'm in charge. Hey, I'm still in charge. What an embarrassment. We should have added him to the poll of who had the worst weekend. Not because his team lost. They won. But it's because Bill Lazor was calling the plays and he still couldn't get out of the way enough to just enjoy the win and be a part of it. He had to take all the focus on himself, which only brought more focus on the fact that they did so much better when he wasn't in charge. Speaking of the polls, by the way, we put some upfits before you joined the show. And we asked a couple different things, really important, hard-hitting uh, news-type things. Like, for instance, which of these was the more embarrassing caught-on-camera moment? Belichick picking his teeth with a pencil or Belichick's spawn doing whatever that was? And you will not be surprised to hear that Belichick's son got 91.8% of the vote for whatever that was. We also asked people, in the addition of, it could have been worse this week, who had the worst weekend? Swervin Urban Meyer. Uh, the Washington football trainer who was arrested in a raid by the feds, Notre Dame, who paid Cincinnati $1.2 million to take a deep L, and Bronxy, the hammered turtle uh, that was exposed to a lot of alcohol in the Yankees' uh, locker room. Urban Meyer at 62.3%, the winner of this. The Washington football trainer at 17.6% was second, and at NG and Jay Devastator hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed to be part of the uh, Spain and Fitz Nation and said, Getting pinched by the feds is getting pinched by the feds. Some college team's always going to pay to get their butt kicked. Someone in a costume will get caught doing something dumb. Urban, well, urban's going to urban, but getting federally clapped is getting federally clapped. Yeah, that's not yeah. even close for me. Yeah, yeah there's yeah. a prison's worse than whatever Shelly Meyer had to say to urban when he got home. Right. Right. The feds, the DEA raiding your office. I'm going to go with that's the worst. Notre Dame uh, getting paid to get beat 16.2%. Bronxy the turtle not earning a lot of sensitive 
uh, 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 sympathy here. Yeah, 3.9% of people only feeling sorry for a a drunk turtle who had no say over that. At Angry Bears fan dad man uh, wrote us up. He also chimed in on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with little news from Spain and Fitz Nation with a a Photoshop of a drunk turtle. I know one reptilian testudine that's ready for the Yankees to advance. Bronxy the drunk turtle. To which I have to say, as Moira would, testadines do not pets make. You may as well tie a leash around a raw chicken cutlet. <laughs> which is an actual line from Shit's Creek. Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Thanks for chiming in on the polls. Uh, I still think I'd like to be Urban Meyer least, even though I know the other one's going to jail. There's just something about... The entire oeuvre of Urban Meyer, although at this point he has no shame left and uh, already found a way to blame other people for what he did. So I guess he'll be fine. Let's get back to good take, hot take. Fitz, I got one for you. It's spicy. Here's Tim Hasselbeck. Trey Lance needs to play because he didn't play last year. Played one game. Played very few games as a collegiate player. Like I think the way you improve is by playing. Like, can you get better by watching? Sure. But you really get better by playing. And, uh, you know, I just think when you watched him pass the ball, uh, I thought there were times that he just kind of looked a little antsy, a little uncomfortable. And the only way that that stuff is going to go away is by being out there in live action and doing it. And so, look, you don't wish injury on anybody, but I think this opens the door to just go ahead and say, look, we are going to build these game plans around Trey Lance going forward. I think they have to do it for his development. Jimmy Garoppolo bruised calf. He'll be evaluated as the week goes on. What do you make of that take that it should just be Trey Lance's job going forward? That's a super hot take. And I I appreciate the logic on a lot of different teams. If you're a young team or a bad team, I appreciate the logic of, hey, he needs reps. The 49ers have a playoff caliber roster. They Mm -hmm. don't need a quarterback at that point that's figuring out reps. They -hmm. need a quarterback that can help them win games, and every game will matter in the quest to make the playoffs for them. So I absolutely think that's a hot take. I agree with you. It's a hot take for me, too. And it's for all the reasons that you just said. If this were any other team that was not expected to contend – I would say, yeah, get him out there. He did have so few reps in college. He does need to get out there and get more comfortable. But not when you have a team that has a legitimate shot at the Super Bowl. You don't take a risk like that. They're going to get a great look at him here with Jimmy G out. So maybe he will be fantastic and it'll be undeniable and they won't be able to go back. But it should not be because they forced the issue. It should be because the the proof is in the pudding there. If Jimmy G is going to be better and smarter and more careful with the ball and all of those things, then that's what they need to stick with. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Just a reminder, we are off tomorrow. AL Wild Card, Yankees and Red Sox, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN Radio, 8 Eastern on ESPN. We are also off Wednesday for the NL Wild Card. We might be off Thursday and Friday, too. And Friday, Fitz and I will be in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Getting ready for our teams to face off. If that is the case, and this is the last time you hear from us this week, we'll make sure to get our picks up online. We'll hopefully be putting together some fun content from Vegas, video stuff if, if the show's off, uh, bring you a little bit of a look at uh, how we're spending our time out there and get ready for our teams to face off. Uh, speaking of... Monday Night Football is underway. Are you standing up? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm standing. I, I stood the, the, the whole segment so far. And Okay. Uh, well, what's your plan for the drive home? Well, I, I'm going to have to get in the car and just drive. I'm going to have to make that short sacrifice for the team. I hope wow. that they can survive whatever happens during that time. If the Raiders are down by multiple touchdowns when I get in the house, though, I, I, I blame the football guys. I mean, the real sacrifice would be you staying at the studio until halftime and then going home. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. 
You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.